One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi, and I am your host. For for a brief moment when I started talking, I forgot what the name of the show was. I didn't forget what my name was, though, so that's a positive. We have a very special show for you this week. First, I want to welcome all of the listeners, new listeners. Well, I want to welcome all of you, but we have a lot of new listeners. Like, our listenership has jumped significantly on this show and I really appreciate everybody who's stuck with the program if you've been listening for a while, and then also all of the new listeners, because as a content creator, it feels really good to see your podcast go up instead of your podcast numbers go down. And anyone who creates content knows the highs and lows of watching, you know, <laughs> your your viewer listenership increase or decrease depending on, you know, what's going on in the world and um, if it's summertime versus wintertime, holidays, that kind of thing, all that has an effect on the listenership of your show. But anyway, I'm running long here, and I just want to say that I appreciate each and every one of you for giving me some of your time throughout the week. And speaking of appreciation, I can't leave out our Patreon supporters. So we have a new Patreon supporter this week, and it is Peter. Peter, welcome to the Kilowatt community. I really am happy to have you. Bruce and Peter, just FYI, did send out your rewards package. And just send me an email if you don't receive it within the next couple of days, because you should have received it by now. And it's the first of the month. So I'm going to continue thanking people who are Patreon supporters. And that includes Peter, Bruce, Elon, not the Elon, just Elon. Um, I mean, I guess he is the Elon. He's Elon Muskie in the Patreon. Rolando Tommaso, Tommaso, sorry, Adam, Vanilla Wafer, Ryan, Karen, Chip, Chris, Dale, Don, Cameron, Nate, Mark, and James. Thank you, everybody, who's supporting this show on Patreon. I really appreciate it. It helps pay for the actual production of the show. None of the money goes back into my own pocket. If you would like to support the show on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt or supportkilowatt.com, and you can pledge at the $1 level. We only have one tier, and it's a dollar. Now, that last gentleman's name that I read, James. James does a podcast called True North EVs. James has a Hyundai Kona. I did a podcast roundtable with the Daily Tech News Show crew, 
And a gentleman named Howard, among some other people, but Howard's name is important because James and Howard joined me on this week's show to talk about the Hyundai Kona, the things they like about it, the things they don't really love about it, but also their experience with Hyundai with the battery recall, which I think is probably the most important thing we talk about. This was one of those podcasts that I've been wanting to do for a while, and I'm so happy that we were able to get it done. James and Howard were very generous with their time. They were knowledgeable. They were great on mic, which doesn't always happen when you interview somebody. Um, they stayed on topic. They kept me on topic. So that's not only appreciated, but also very hard to do, honestly. I do I do need to warn you, there was some technical problems in this show, and, and Howard and James handled it really well. Um, at one point in time, I set my hand on my mouse pad and I stopped the recording, which was a really stupid thing for me to do, but they both carried on and we were able to, um, we were able to make it work. And then I had to do some editing. Now, speaking of editing, there's a couple of things that happened and I don't know why when I got the recorded downloads, Howard and James sound perfectly fine. I sound like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Like I did my best to clean up the audio so it doesn't sound so weird, but it still sounds weird. So you're going to hear that. And then there was another little uh, problem that we had. And there's a thing in podcasting or in recording in general when you're recording over the Internet called audio drift, which means the files don't sync up 100%. And when I downloaded everything... um the files didn't sync up at all. So I had to go through and individually cut each part out and put it where I think it was supposed to go because it was so off from where it should have been. And this is the first time I've experienced this to this level with Riverside, which is the software I use to record these interviews. So just be aware that there may have been a laugh at one point and... <laughs> Nobody's laughing. There should be like a spot for a laugh and then nobody laughed. And that's because I just had to wholesale cut a bunch of stuff to make this all work together. All right. Now that you all know what all my mistakes were, let's go ahead and listen to the interview with James and Howard on the Hyundai Kona EV, the, the positives, the negatives, and the battery All right, I am here with Howard and James. Howard and James, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us here. Yes, thank you very much. Why I asked you guys on was because you both own Hyundai Konas. James, you do a podcast called True North EVs, which is almost exclusively about the Kona and how to do things that are, um, I don't even want to say modify, but how to make the Kona better. And then Howard, you own a Kona. And we were on the Daily Tech News Show EV Roundtable together. So um, I'm really happy to have you guys here. Thank you very much for doing this. So before we start, I would just like you to each talk a little bit. So I'll have Howard go first so the audience knows what your voice sounds like. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Howard. I am a director of product. We make uh, products for the Salesforce platform. So I'm in that sort of very tech forward space. Um, and I have had a Kona for about uh, 20 months now, and I love it. I have one small quirk that I don't like, but it's not really much to do with the car itself, but that's a, a whole different, a whole different thing. So we'll get into that later. <laughs> for sure. 
And James, lately on that thick Canadian accent for us. See, I don't hear that Canadian accent, but sure. Um, so I've had uh, my Kona for going on about 17 months. I got it September of 2019, ordered it in April of 2019. And uh, yeah, it's great car for what it does, little. But uh, yeah, as per my podcast, I know no v- electric vehicle is perfect. So here we are. Yeah, no, it, and... At some point, I'm going to have a show uh, pretty much uh, talking about all the negative things that surround electric vehicles because I think that uh, a lot of folks in our realm, in the EV community, only illustrate the positive and they ignore the the bad things that yeah. happen or not even bad, the annoying things that you have to go through for this kind of stuff. And I don't think it puts us in a very good light when it goes, when something bad happens to a regular person that was promised, you know, pretty much like Fievel in the uh, American tale, like streets paved with gold. And no, (laughs) when they get there, they're like, oh, this is not what I was promised. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a good point, James. So we're going to start off here and I'm going to ask Howard first. So when you decided to buy an EV, what made you choose the Kona EV over other vehicles are out that were out there, including the Nissan Leaf and the Teslas and things like that? So I definitely was suffering from full-on range anxiety. So all the cars that I was looking at in terms of EVs was very much, I was just like, I didn't want to be constantly charging. My daily drive is a 70-mile commute, 35 miles in each direction. And my goal was I didn't want to have to charge every single day. I wanted to charge maybe twice a week. So I was definitely looking at things that were over 200 miles in range. Um, But I was also looking at things like I was looking at the Honda Clarity, which is a plug-in hybrid. And it gets about 50 years and change miles just on the battery before it then kicks in a little gas motor. And I was actually planning on getting that car. That was like, that was my first choice because I really couldn't find anything else. Uh, the BMW i3 that had the range extender was expensive and it only got 120 or so miles on the battery. And then it has the little motor. So I kept looking at that going like, here are these cars. Um, a friend of mine had the Tesla Model 3. He had just gotten it. And I was like, this is amazing. But the tax credit was expiring and the price premium to get similar range, I just kept saying, I'm not buying a luxury car. I'm not a person who can afford a luxury car. And the Tesla Model 3 kept screaming, I'm a luxury car compared to what else I was looking at. Um, I drove the Chevy Bolt at that point and I just didn't like it. (laughs) I just drove it. I thought it was kind of whatever. And I was looking at the Kona and the Kia e-Niro, which were effectively the same car. I could not get my hands anywhere near the e-Niro. Just, they just weren't available in New Jersey. But I found a dealer near me that had four Konas in stock. And I drove one and I was like, I guess I'm buying this car. Like I literally just drove it and was like, I, I think I love this car. Um, and uh, yeah, that was – realistically, there was a little bit of it was the car that I could get. But I happen to love it after driving other things that just did not quite check all the boxes. That's awesome. And then how did your range anxiety, did it go away? Like, are you are you feeling pretty comfortable now with 
Absolutely. It, range anxiety is something that I think anybody who's going to buy an electric car suffers from because they forget one key point, which is I have a gas tank that fills up my car in my driveway. And most people that have gasoline cars don't have gas tanks in their driveway. They have to go out and get gas. The fact that every day I could start with a full, basically full charge meant there's really no reason for it. I just had to reprogram my brain to remembering that's something that you can do. You can charge at home, which means every day starts from 100. So I actually initially wanted the Tesla Model 3. We had a reservation in 4.1. Um, and once we started looking at the measurements and all that, we had a Honda Insight to begin with. So it was a shorter vehicle. We just had a child at the time. So constantly bashing our heads while we put the kid into the back seat was kind of annoying. So we wanted then something a little taller. And we started looking at the Kona here in Manitoba in Canada. A lot harder to get a Kona. There was one here in Man in all of Manitoba, and the dealer was using it as a test drive. And they actually wanted $5,000 down to even test drive it with essentially a letter saying that you will purchase it. Um, and unfortunately, I know people. I've used to work in that industry. I know people. And I had to throw out names in order to <laughs> even test drive it uh, without putting money down. But we quite enjoyed it. A great little vehicle. A little small in the trunk space even compared to the Honda in Insight. But not a bad vehicle for what we overall need it for. Yeah, because we definitely needed the range. Because here in Canada, uh, chargers are awful. Um, we sit about, uh, here in Canada, it's a lot of hours we go by to tell distance. Uh, so closest charger is about an hour away, or at the time was an hour away. They're getting a lot better. So yeah, that 200 mile mark is what we absolutely needed. We actually did a 1600 mile drive last summer and we did most of it. It was that last 300 miles was the big stretch that we needed as much range as we could, which even where I was going didn't matter with if I had a Tesla or a Kona, they were both going to struggle because there's no chargers up there. Right. But yeah, with the, with the Kona, it was, I could even get the EV credit. So I think it worked out to be about $15,000 cheaper to get the Kona over the Model 3 wow. here. And then... Uh James, one of the things that you've done really good on your podcast is you have pretty much documented every experience you had with the dealer and you've even switched dealers. So why don't we go over real quick? You, you kind of mentioned a little bit with the trying to test drive the car, but what's your experience just been buying, not so much with service, because we'll talk about that next. Um, so we have in um, the city I'm in, which is Winnipeg, we have 400 dealerships. Uh, Right now, only three are actually even willing to sell the Kona. Um, the other one basically said we will not get a license for in order to sell it. Um, the one, the dealership that I'm currently getting all my work done, at, they seem to be all in. Uh, they usually have five plus Konas in stock to sell. Um, always have a bunch on order. So they're 
starting to get a lot better. Um, but the one that I was dealing with, the owner actually owns the Mercedes dealership. And basically, I feel like trying to do just the bare minimum. They'll have maybe one or two Konas in stock just to allow people to test drive it. But it's at least gotten to the point that anybody can walk up and test drive it without having to put anything down in order to even drive it. Yes, like uh, skin, pretty much there. you got to promise your firstborn child and then... You know, you go from there. How about, how about you, Howard? Because you are in the East Coast, right, of the United States. So what was your experience? Because I'm sure around you, you've probably got tons of opportunities to buy a Hyundai. Definitely, Kona. yeah. Uh, yes and no. At the time that I was shopping, New Jersey had just gotten uh, the ability to sell electric cars. Um, at least the Hyundai dealers were starting to just sell Konas at that point. My sales representative didn't know that much, but he was very good. He knew that electric vehicles were interesting. And so he actually made the process very conversational for me because he knew that I had done my research and he was asking me about, he's like, well, what else is out there? What are you comparing this to? And I, you know, at first I was like, oh, he's doing the salesperson thing, trying to like dig in a little bit. And then I realized that actually, no, he was just really trying to learn the market because he felt that he was going to have to know his stuff in order to sell the car. Now, so the process was really, really uh, good. The dealer was not negotiating on anything. So there was no like price breaks. It was just like, this is the price. This is the one you want. This is how much it's going to cost. That's fine. Uh, New Jersey had no, uh, had a promo for no sales tax on uh, the electric vehicles, which was very, very nice. So, yeah, and actually New Jersey, after I bought the Kona, introduced a an additional $5,000 tax rebate on electric vehicles. So between the federal $7,500 tax credit and then the New Jersey rebate, I would have done even better had I waited like nine more months to get it. But you never know these things when you do it. So it is what it is. Now that said, I was over at the dealer a couple of weeks ago. And as I was, you know, dropping off my car for what we'll talk about a little bit later in terms of some of the uh, uh, the dealing with the recall, I listened to another salesperson, basically badmouth all EVs to a person that was wanting to buy an EV. And his argument was that EVs were not good for the environment because it had a battery that had to be sourced. And I pulled the person aside and I was just like, just, you know, please go do your own research about this because what they're describing is one minor part Compare that to spewing out gas uh, emissions for however long you own the car. And uh, they were like, we know, we know better. We just listened to that and sort of nodded. But I don't think the dealers realistically want to sell EVs because a lot of dealers rely on service. And EVs don't need a lot of service. So... (laughs) Yeah. And that, I mean, we can just roll into our next question because we all know that there's the sales side and there's the service side. Um, and like you said, the service side makes all the money. So how is, and we'll go start with Howard this time. How has your experience been with getting service from the dealer? I know that you don't require a whole lot. I think in the I think in the EV roundtable, you said, you know, you, you basically just put windshield wiper fluid in, you call it good. But how how has your experience been on that side? Um, So they've been very nice, but I've had situations where 
like I'll go to the service department, I'll drop off the car and they'll say, um, are, are you going to wait for it? And I said, how long is it going to take you to rotate the tires? And they sort of, and they're like, oh yeah, that's right. And so it's the kind of thing where I just, the, the two times that I've needed to take it in for a 7,500 mile and just recently the, the 15,000 uh, mile, I just passed that. Um, I've, they've rotated the tires and checked the fluids and said, all right, see you later. I mean, it's, it's almost silly that I bring it in, but you figure if I, if there's something that is going wrong, they'll spot it. They just do an inspection and I come back and I think my total bill ends up being like 20 bucks and I'm um, good to go. First one was complimentary. Second one was 20 bucks. So what can I do? So in, in New Jersey, how would you find, or let the dealer you specifically take it to, how would you find their knowledge in general about the Hyundai Kona? Are they, are they looking stuff up? <laughs> Because they don't know, or are they pretty spot on? Um, they've been pretty spot on. There hasn't been anything. There hasn't been any challenge for them. Um, I will say, at the most recent time when I took it in, they asked me if I was using the brakes at all. Oh, and I said, and I said, well, no, I'm using regenerative braking basically as much as possible. The brakes are really just for an emergency, and they were just like the brakes look like they're brand new because it was one of the things that they were inspecting, and they just literally they were just laughing. They were like, it's you know. How long are those brakes going to last? Are they going to last 50,000 miles, 80,000 miles, something like that? Um, the best I've ever done in a gas car with brakes was 30,000 miles, and I thought it was heroic. So, <laughs> I do a lot of freeway driving, so I don't have quite as much. Uh, but, yeah, uh, brakes suck. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the things that I get I wouldn't say angry, annoyed that I have to replace so often. Well, and, and they're expensive. The thing that's sort of a little bit of a pet peeve about service is they will send me reminders about service. And all of those reminders include specials. And all of the specials are things like oil changes and all, all of the mm -hmm. things that I don't actually have in the car. So I actually printed one out and I said, hey, what's the special for the EV? Because there's nothing here that even relates to me. Like, I almost wanted to say, like, don't even bother sending me these until you actually have a special for an EV. But what would the special be? Like, we'll give you an extra thing of wiper fluid to take home? Cupcake on your way out? Cupcake, yeah, that would be great. How about, James, I know you've had a ton of different issues, not so much with the car, but as much, um, well, I mean, I guess it is with the car, but you, you, you were reporting some things and then... Uh, the dealer was just like, we're not finding it. So kind of detail your experience because I know you've you've had a little bit more interaction with your service department based on things that are going on with you. Um, so I do have an automotive diploma. That's where I went to school. I actually have that. I don't tell dealerships that I have it whenever I go get service. Um, just because I love listening to the stories they come up with. Um, but I know the first issue I had was when you plug in, you can set it to uh, warm up to a certain temperature. So when you get in, it's either warm or cool, depending on season. Mine would not work when it's plugged in. Had that go in. Dealer, the service manager himself told me multiple times, Nope, it operates as it's supposed to. And I'm like, nope, it actually is supposed to do this. Show him the manual, everything like that. Uh, he actually 
he, he wouldn't return my phone calls at one point, so I just went down straight to the dealership to go see him. He got super mad that I went to the dealership to confront him about not returning my phone calls. He finally was willing to take the vehicle in. Uh, they had it plugged in overnight. Uh, plugged in their little computer in the morning. Found a sensor was defective. Replaced it. It still doesn't work, but I've given up on that. I now just use my, we'll call it an app. Um, but that's a whole nother deal we'll get on to. Um, but I just will turn it on myself uh, in the morning. Um, but if it's plugged in, when it's when I go to turn it on, it still doesn't work. I've given up on that. But the beauty of an electric vehicle is it warms up super nice and quick, so it doesn't matter. But uh, besides that, uh, when I went in for my very first service check, it was... So here in Canada, with the snow and all that, the brakes grind in the winter. Just get rusty and grind, especially because we don't use them. So when we don't use them, they sound even worse. So as I pull into the dealership, it grinds, makes all the lovely noise. Right off the hop, they're telling me, okay, it needs a brake service. That's going to be $250. It needs an alignment. That's another $150. I'm like, how do you know just by me pulling it? They're magical at this dealership, and they could tell. Uh, so at that point, I just got my free service and went on to another dealership. Tire rotations I do myself. Uh my jack doesn't overly like the heavy Kona, but I do it myself. Uh, but then all the other interactions have been with the multitude of recalls, um, which seem to take hours to do. But each time I go, I am to this other dealership. I am reminded about my brake service, which now that we're finally into the warm weather, I no longer have any issues with. Magically goes away. Um, but yeah, it's even now it's at this new location. They actually, there's been a couple of issues. I'm trying to remember what they were now that they've had that they have actually come back to me and said, we don't quite understand this. How is it supposed to work? What are you seeing? And from there, we actually get stuff fixed. It's, I have no issue with somebody not knowing how to do it. Or not understanding. I get this is that lovely transition period. Just tell me. Instead of getting all mad. Um, about it. Or just straight out saying you don't want to work on it. Essentially. Uh, so yeah. that's It's become quite the lovely uh, runaround. Uh, but we do have a couple of local independent places. Um, around where I work and all that, that I'm going to start taking my vehicle to for even just those regular uh, six-month, 12-month checkups. How How is the Kona to drive, and this is just a quick, short answer, but how is the Kona to drive in the wintertime? Because you both are in places where it snows and it gets cold and you get ice storms. So, James, for you, how does that drive? We don't really get a whole lot of ice. Um, it gets cold and snow, uh, slushy snow, but don't get, but, uh, I actually have yet to put on winter tires. I drive all season tires and 
The only time I was ever stuck with it was actually the very first snowfall that we had when I got it. It's the lovely game of just getting used to the vehicle. And it got a little stuck, got a little help to push out. And that was the one and only time I've been stuck. And I plow through snow like nobody's business because it's a fat vehicle. I've been stuck more in my work truck, which is a Ford F-150 4x4, than I've been stuck in my Kona. Okay. And how about you, Howard? Uh, winter driving has been pretty easy. Uh, we don't get too much snow, but when we have winter events, and I call them events because uh, it tends to be like everything's just very cold, but no winter. And then you get in, you know, for three days, then everything's just terrible. And in those situations, um, Kona's been fine. Uh, I think a lot of it is because of the uh, between the torque and the very direct feeling in the drive. It's just very predictable when I drive it. I just I, – I don't feel that there's any uh, weird sort of distance between what I'm trying to do and what the car is responding to. So I can be very, very careful not to spin out the tires and then gradually bring it up where when I think about like – I remember when I drove stick in the snow – making sure that you would start it so that you didn't spin the wheels out and then cause any problems and stuff like that. And this was just a much simpler process to, to work in the snow. The one thing you have to be very mindful, but the regenerative braking is your, absolutely your key here is you need more distance to stop because it is a heavy car compared to its size. Like if you're used to driving something small, like let's say you were driving like a Toyota Corolla or a VW Jetta or something like that, that the Kona is more than a thousand pounds heavier for that same sort of size. So if you're thinking, geez, I've got plenty of room to stop. Well, yes and no, the regenerative braking will help you there. But in the snow, sometimes you aren't necessarily thinking it might get slippery at the beginning. So realistically, the best advice I gave to people, um, I would say is don't put the don't put your foot on the brake. Have your regenerative up like crazy because that subtle slowness at the beginning will slow the car down enough so that then when you start to apply the brake at the end, just to make sure you stop, you're not skidding out all over the place. A lot of times, people in the snow they jam their foot on the brake at the beginning and let anti lock brakes take over. With this heavy of a car, that regenerative braking is your friend. Mm, that's good to know. And. Um what don't you like about the car? And we'll start with Howard on this one. I wish that they did something with the front space of the car. So like the trunk of the Kona is, it's not huge. It's small, but it, you can do a lot in there. It's, it's okay. The problem is they have lots of things that you probably could have just said, oh, let's put this charger in a compartment in the front and let's put, put my can of fix-a-flat in the char it, like in the front of the car in some kind of container because when you open up the hood, you see all of this wasted space because the Kona is a gas car that was made electric. So certain systems are in the exact same place where if they had built it as an electric car from the ground up, they probably would not have put like the anti-lock brake system in a space that had to fit a gas engine where the gas engine is now gone. So there's just like a weird place for that system. So because it shares things with the gas version, you get very, very poor use of space. And then where they're making the accommodations, which is giving like 
there's no spare tire in there. It's a, like, that's, to me, I really wish I had a spare tire. I have yet to go out and buy myself a little donut in case of an emergency. Fix a flat is not a way to rely on, um, like, if you're going to run into a problem. I think the tires themselves is another thing that I don't like. They're a little bit um, eco and spinny. Like, if you're not careful, you spin out those tires very, very quickly. They are uh, not particularly grippy. I think I would, uh, when I run at, run through those tires, I'm going to replace them with something with a little better handling, um, which probably will decrease my range by five or so percent as I've uh, done some homework that I'll, I'll sacrifice 5% for a little better handling. Um, but realistically, I, I, I guess I wish it had wireless car play. That would be great. <laughs> first, first world problems there. Right. I think what's crazy is it has CarPlay with the cable, but it has a Qi, a Qi wireless charging pad. So it's like, oh, in order to use CarPlay, I have to plug this in, and then the logical place to put it is on a wireless charging pad. It's just sort of like someone didn't do that whole thought process. So it's it's just – it's like, oh, if you would give me wireless CarPlay, I could literally just drop the phone on the charger that's that Qi charger. It would charge – do wireless CarPlay and it would be great. So uh, that's it's just a little minor annoyance. I think the newer ones will have it. I think the 2021 versions do have that. Yeah, that, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. That's that's the reason why I am going to go Tesla over another vehicle because I want all the upgrades when they come out, not just because I bought a car one year ago and it, now they don't want to give it to me. But enough about me, James. What don't you like about your car? The frunk, or lack thereof, uh, especially as Howard pointed out. It's all perfectly set up. There is aftermarket ones, but why should we go aftermarket? Um, especially when the Ionic 5 has such a gorgeous one that you can easily slap in. Uh, for the price of the vehicle, all that hard plastic that they put in it. It's just uncomfortable. It's like I did my road trip last year. I don't stop. Uh, when I start, I went, it's a 20 hour drive. I went, I started at three in the morning and I go till it's done. So when I got my hand on hard plastic all day, it's not super comfortable. Um, and yeah, the storage, there's so many other little things they could uh, do for storage that would be perfect if they actually did it but again with it trying to be a gas vehicle and an electric and all that it's you definitely see where they've had to make the i guess the choices as to what do we want to be a better gas vehicle better electric vehicle um but and i guess my other issue is accessories there's so many great accessories that Hyundai even offers you for a gas vehicle that you cannot get for an electric. Um, just lack of Kona accessories. Well, even look at Tesla accessories. There's tons of them out there. Nobody's doing a whole lot for Kona. So no big aftermarket there on the accessory side. Did did you say that, does the Ionic 5 have a frunk? It does, and it. But when you lift it up, yeah. When you look at it, though, the pictures, uh, it basically does just look like a normal 
engine cover type deal, but it actually opens up. So it, they specifically want you to put your charging cables in it. Oh, okay. So it's not a lot of space, but some space. It's better than the nothing that we're given now. <laughs> no, yeah, that's fair. And then, James, what do you like most about your uh, Kona? As a person that uh, grew up wanting the Chevette with the biggest motor and the quietest exhaust, the instant power. I drive in eco mode regularly. Um, we have a Sunday drive. All the kids with their imports and all that, the souped up muscle cars come out. And I like to silently be beside them. And if I don't get that tire spin... I scoot by them super quick. Uh, I like to annoy the Hemi drivers out there um, and quickly zoom by them and then let them catch up. Just watch their fuel gauge go down. Uh, so that's my main thing is the power. I've always been a car guy. so Yeah, that's awesome. I can totally understand like your desire for that power. Like I, when Tesla gave me the Model Y overnight... I was up at right next to one of like a really high end Maserati and this guy probably had no idea I was next to him, but as and we were in rush hour traffic, but as soon as it became clear, I just left that guy in the dust and I felt so proud of myself. He had no idea what was going on. He had no idea that it was a contest. He had no, he had just nothing. But for me, when we zoomed past him, I was like, ah, that feels so good. But how about you, Howard? How, what do you like most about your vehicle? One of the things, I, I remember when I drove my friend's uh, Model 3, and it was very, like, I loved the car. I drove it. I was like, wow, this is really awesome. And that just, like, the amount of power and how uh, how strong that car feels. But all of the touchscreen interface really was disturbing to me. Like I could tell that I was not watching what I was doing. Now, yes, Tesla has some driver assist features to prevent you from running into like things um, or other people. But um, I really actually love the way the Kona has a tactile feel to it. The way the buttons work, everything's very predictable. Even the shifting thing, which is not a, a lever anymore, it's just a few buttons. It's just a very comfortable way to drive and not have to look at the controls that I'm using when I drive so that I can stay very, very focused on the road. You pair that with the regenerative braking and I just I, the paddles on the side of the wheel to adjust it, which I use like literally if I'm going into a curve, I grab the left side paddle to slow things down. And, and then I just let up on the paddle and it's like, it, it sort of like accelerates through the curve. There's certain things that are just fun to drive features because of the regenerative braking and just the way the controls are laid out. I just, I never look at anything. I just, I'm driving and then I touch stuff and it works. And I think that's something where um, my friend who's got his Model 3, he lets me drive it all the time. So I've regularly driven it. And I'm actually, I've gotten kind of used to the Tesla interface that he has. And I can't do it from the corner of my eye. I have to look. And the moment you're not looking at the in front of you, you're not looking in front of you. So no driver assist functions can replace feeling comfortable seeing exactly what's in front of you. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. And that is uh, something that... Uh, having everything off to the right that is something that i'm a little concerned about because i really hope that they they put some sort of instrument cluster behind the steering wheel for the cyber truck i doubt they're going to do that but going back you appreciate that tactile like you can just kind of reach over and hit a button what do you think of the maki -E and its interface 
That's uh, yeah. The, I I I'm looking forward to actually being able to drive it and sit in it and, and feel that. But the way they've got that set up, where it's a good combination of there's a lot of screen, so that you can do the things that a big screen can do, but it also is. I think it's completely designed for a person to kind of put their hand on a set of controls and drive. Um, yeah, I, I was uh, – the Maki looks very interesting for that way. I think it's a really, really great blend. Yeah, at first I thought it was silly, but now the more I see the the videos of people actually going through and reviewing it, I, I, I agree with you. It makes more sense. What are your thoughts on the Maki, James? I think it's a gorgeous vehicle, um, but I feel – even with the lack of display, I know I've driven Model 3s, Model Ss, and all that. Um, it's something you get used to, especially when it's your own vehicle. You kind of get used to Well, I guess. To a point, Tesla doesn't update, changes everything, so you got to get used to it again. But uh, but the Mach-E, gorgeous vehicle, uh, great thinking out, especially that frunk, again, with the drain and all that. Oh, yeah, the drain. Stuff, yeah. Stuff that it's... You could tell Ford, at least thought it out a little bit um where again with the kona it's we need to make three different vehicles but all the same so where with ford it's we're making an electric vehicle and go from there it's funny because i've always felt that the kona was like an overachieving compliance car so when you think about like what all of the different compliance cars are out there it's basically here's the car and let's figure out how to stick an electric like make it electric just so that we can say we've started selling electric vehicles. And I think what happened was they like made a compliance car out of the Kona. They were like, oh, this Kona, this will be perfect to do a compliance car. And they got it right. Like they actually had the right mechanism to make a good electric car. And they kind of all scratched their head and was like, oh, this is good. And people like this as opposed to like, um, I, what was it, like the e-golf, which was uh, the Volkswagen compliance version of like, oh, we'll, we'll just make it kind of electric with a range of like, I want to say it was like 105 miles or something like that. And I sort of looked at that car and I said, well, unless you're just in the city, that's a useless car. Because I can't even like, even in my daily drive, I can't, like it would be at the edge every single day. So I would never even consider doing anything uh, you know, I couldn't commute in a 105 miles car. I would just, I couldn't run an errand. I could get to and from work and then nothing. Yeah. Our, our a cousin of ours, she got in an accident and she was looking for an electric vehicle and she lives in California. So she was able to get like with tax incentives from the local, she got tax incentives from her utility company or not. utility. She got rebates from utility company. And then the federal tax credit, she got a e-golf and the insurance money for basically free. Wow. And she loves that car. But, yeah, you, you can't drive very far. She was able – she lives in uh, she lives in Monterey, so she came up to visit us when we were in San Jose. And that's about as far as you can go. And then she just kind of parked at the Charger and hung out with us all day and then drove home. Although when you're pretty much getting a vehicle for free, I will gladly rent a vehicle every once in a while to – for those odd trips, um, I guess, just going back to the question, the things I like, I live in Manitoba. We have one of the cheapest electricity rates. It cost me a whopping $5 to fully charge up from empty to full, where I had a very efficient Honda, and it was still $35, $40, and gas price keeps going up. So I quite like watching the gas prices increase now. 
Yeah. And, and the other nice thing about where you live, James, is you guys are, your isn't it's your provincial government is your insurance agent or maybe they regulate it. No, uh, the provincial government actually owns, or they call them crown corporations. So they're supposed to be arm's length, but, uh, I don't know how deep I want to delve into the political game. Um, <laughs> they're, yeah, we'll leave it at they're supposed to be arm's length uh, for our insurance, uh, also with our electricity. Um, yeah, so they deal with health, insurance, electricity. They kind of have their hands in all of that. Yeah, but you, you didn't see a big rise, right, when you got your insurance, when you uh, insured your vehicle? No. Uh, we went from, what was it? 2008, so it would have been 11 years old at the time, 11-year-old Honda to a brand new electric vehicle that at the time would have been probably five times the price. And I think our insurance only went up $20 a year because we added an extra level of insurance called a new vehicle replacement insurance. So that's essentially if the vehicle gets ridden off in the first two years, they replace it with a brand new whatever. So we'd get a Hyundai Kona electric. Um, so as long as we stay under, I believe the number is $75,000 Canadian, it's fully insured. If you bought, let's say a model X, which is over a hundred thousand dollars in Canada, you'd have to buy extra insurance to cover whatever's over that 75 that makes sense and this i'm only bringing this up because this was a question that one of the follow-up questions we got from the ev roundtable did you see your insurance jump up powered when you got your ev no it was exactly the same i realistically i got um and i asked the insurance company because they when they told me oh your insurance is going to basically be the same i was like really and they're like Remember that most automobile insurance is not for the car. It's for the people or things that you hit. So the in general, the price that I was paying on the insurance, they were like, nope, the car's a very safe car. It does very well. Crash tests. We're, we're more worried about what you hit. So I, I kind of – I don't want to say I laughed it off, but I was expecting that the insurance cost was going to be significantly higher. Yeah, that, that's that's good. I'm I'm My insurance jumped from like – $400 every six months with full coverage for both my wife and I to slowly creeped up to like eight to then to nine. And I was like, you know what? I'm not paying this anymore. Now we're back to around 450 for both vehicles. And I, I don't, I honestly don't know why I, then they can't tell me why. Cause we haven't been in any accidents. We've had re glass replaced, but that's, that's not supposed to make your insurance go up. So the whole world of insurance, at least here in the United States, is like a shrouded mystery as to why you pay more. And we drove less last year, which is even more of a mystery as to why we got to pay more. And, and yeah, with our insurance, we actually got rebates last year because nobody was driving. And so claims and everything went down. So I think altogether we spent about a thousand dollars on insurance after the rebates and all that. Nice, nice. I did not get a rebate. I got a price hike. So, um, what are your thoughts? Get back to our questions here. What are your thoughts on the Hyundai Blue Link app? And I'll start with uh, James first on this one. 
first of all, can you guys explain what the Blue Link app is for the folks who don't maybe not know? Because I, mean, I don't think a lot of people know that this car comes with an app. So the Blue Link app is Hyundai's way of, I guess, assisting drivers. Um, so it connects to your phone, sign in and all that. And it has a few different functions. You can check your vehicle, see if the doors are locked, see it, what range, what battery percentage you're at. Um, you can lock, unlock your vehicle. You can do the horns and lights, check lights. I just pulled up the app now. You can schedule for, I guess, your uh, charge, target state of charge, and charge. It looks like a really nice app. Looks all pretty and all that. Um, but there's a reason Hyundai is a car company and Tesla is a technology company. Um, it is, I feel, the most useless app. Um, all I really do for it is uh, put on climate, which is essentially like if you had a remote start on a gas vehicle, starting it up, letting it warm up or cool down or whatever that is. Um, yeah, but. Other than that, I do not find it useful. Uh, I have five years free here in Canada after the five years. If it's anything more than $5 a year, I would say it's way too much. But uh, yeah. Why Why would they charge you? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It costs them nothing extra to, like the development costs are the same. I think though it's that cell service that it's running off of. It's essentially what they're trying to get their money back on. Um, although you guys have cheap cell rates. Well, and most of those, sorry, most of those car companies use 3G, which is almost free in terms of cost to to run on that bandwidth. So I'm I'm gonna guess there's not a whole lot that you like about this app, James. How about you, Howard? What what do you like about the app, or what is it useful for for you? Yeah, I think James nailed it. Which is basically remote climate. That's what it's for. And remote lock and unlock, big deal. That's not that big of a deal. That's not that good. To me, the thing about the app, um, and it's really mediocre at best, is it's not real time you basically say, could you please start the climate system? And then it spins for a while. And then you'll get a thing back a minute later that says, we've, we've sent the command. So if you're like, if your goal is, oh, I need to unlock this, like, okay, I need to unlock this remotely. Then the person who's standing by the car that you're going to unlock it for better be very, very patient. Um, and if you think about it, the app with a Tesla functions as a key. It basically says real time, you can use this as a device to do things with your car. Um, the Kona is really the, the way that blue link app is. It's really more of a, okay, I'm about to get in the shower. It's really, really cold. I would like to make sure that it's warm by the time I go drive to work. So you send the command and then 15 minutes later, it says all the climate stuff is done. Congratulations. And, and that's fine. I mean, it's 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 okay. Um, we have three years included for free. Um, if I was asked, would you pay for it? What I would say is, no, I don't need to pay for that. It's It doesn't have enough use that makes it reasonable to pay for. Um, 
just knowing how much charge is in the car, realistically, it's not that interesting. It's something that if you said, okay, get out $5 a month or $5 a year, like $5 a year, I would say, yes, fine. $5 a month, I doubt it that I would pay for it. Um, what I'm really hoping that they do is as part of our next topic that they basically say, we're just going to give you all of the services as part of any kind of remediation for your inconvenience for the, uh, the battery recall. And we'll use that as a nice gradual segue <laughs> into talking about the next topic, which is, um, I can tell you it's a lot on my mind that, uh, this issue is definitely not, uh, the most fun to be part of. So we'll jump into that and I'll start with you, Howard, since you brought it up. Uh, the Kona EV right now is going through a recall, started in South Korea and then slowly worked its way around the world. Um, could you explain what specifically is going on? Um, I believe it's a controller and a battery, but that's all I can remember at the moment. So what specifically is going on with the issue? And then we can kind of go from there. I believe, um, and James, you will probably know more about this than I will, but I believe that in the battery compartment, there is a connector that has sort of like a tab that basically needed to be better insulated. Something's like folded weird. I, I don't know all the details. James is nodding like, yes, that's, that's kind of it. But um, essentially the battery packs and there, uh, it's an LG chemical battery pack. So uh, Chevy Bolt is theoretically has the same issue. Um, they just announced a 70,000 vehicle recall. Yeah. So it's – I don't see this so much as this was a Kona issue or a Hyundai issue. It was they sourced a battery from somewhere and that battery happens to have an issue. Um, the thing that was the most disturbing about this recall was the first note that we got. I don't know if James, you got the same note, but the note that I got was basically like, we don't have a fix for you for now. Don't park inside or near things because your car may burst into flames. Yeah. yeah that's pretty much it. Yeah. And it's, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it, but literally the don't park inside or near things was part of the letter. And I was like, wait, near things. When you say near things, like if I park in my driveway and that's 10 feet away from the front door, is that near things? Do I need to park across the street near someone else's house? Like what what, what do I have to what, – what do they mean is near things? And I was on the phone with customer support who did not know a lot about the issue. And they were just like, oh, this is what's going on. Okay, well, we don't have a fix yet. And the not having a, a definitive answer yet, there have been a couple of different stages of this where they were like, well, we're going to inspect it to make sure that you're not like immediately at risk. So, um, and I don't know, James, if you want to jump in, because you probably have more technical details about this than, than I certainly do. No, that's pretty much it. Um, it did. My biggest issue with it is it's here's your 12 different recalls for software changes to it without. And then finally, it's, okay, these 12 recalls that we did didn't solve the problem. Now we're going to replace the batteries. As far as the don't park inside, didn't affect me. I was never concerned about it. I don't have a garage. I have a little hole in my fence that I throw my charge cable through, even at minus 40 degrees Fahrenheit or Celsius. Beauty of Winnipeg, yeah, minus 40. 
so good. Um, but yeah, and so I was never concerned about that. And honestly, if you catch my fence on fire, cool. Insurance will buy me a new fence. Um, I don't park next to any vehicles. So that part was never a concern for me. Um, I guess because I came from the automotive industry, recalls are normal. Um, it's all part of it. Uh, Chevy, or I guess GM just went through a major recall dating back to like 96. All these vehicle ignitions got it replaced. The airbag recalls were all done. So it's all those recalls though had a solution already. When they announced it, they're okay, this is the problem. Here's the solution. Where with the batteries, it's okay, we're first going to try to solve it with software updates. Oh, okay, that didn't work. Okay, oh, we got another software update. Oh, that one didn't work. Okay, fine. We'll just replace the batteries then. So it's not having a, a solution before you announce, just because I feel like it was very blown up. Um, pardon. <laughs> uh, but because uh, there's only been, uh, if I remember correctly, six vehicles all over the world that have actually had any sort of fires, which if we go by gas vehicles, there's what, six every hour, if not more. So I have a question on the software. Didn't they try to a, and I don't know if this was in the same off update or separate, they limited your range, but then, then they also take some of your uh, battery capacity away by salt with software. Am I mistaking or or convoluting what happened? Well, I know. Oh, it's probably now three, four weeks ago. I did receive a call from my dealership telling me, and actually looking online, most people had to go to the dealership uh, to show them uh, where mine, because you had to go to the dealership that you purchased the vehicle from. So, because I had a great dealership. They just called. They did not want me to come over. Uh, just take a picture of me moving it to 80%. Although the Blue Link app, that's one apparently great thing. They apparently can adjust that to 80% themselves. If you don't change it, they will change it for you. They cannot push over their updates, but they can do that. Um, but yeah, so there was that. I know in some of the recalls, I've gained range because it's reset so it looks like i got added range but most are just limiting so even the battery pack though is a much bigger pack than what they tell us so we already when we charge up to 100 percent, we're never actually at 100 percent. so them limiting it to 80 is probably more like 75 yeah the the situation that we had here was uh, similar where it was, please adjust this yourself. Um, but what they did was they asked us to go into the dealer for the dealer to confirm it. And then they would send us a $200 Visa gift card as a token for our inconvenience, which, you know, I always appreciate stuff like that. Um, at the same time, they then the software update at the dealer was charge limiting, basically saying you can't push it past the 80%, um, which... I was told because I called up customer service and I was told that when this is resolved, you will get that will come back. Like they will do another update to give you your your back to your hundred percent. Um and the conversations that I've had with either customer service um 
who usually has a little more information, the dealer had a script that was basically like, this is what it does and this is what we're supposed to do. So they – like the most recent time that I was there, I could tell that they were like looking at a thing that said, here's how to answer questions and here's what to say. And I kind of laughed a little bit about because I know the the different people there at the dealer because I've uh, you know been there over the different years. Um, my other car uh, – is actually a uh, – I bought from them as a used car. It's a car for my daughter. So I've had – I've been back and forth to that dealer for not just the Kona um, but for other things. And um, they've been they've been pretty good. The, the thing that I was sort of expecting to see actually yesterday because they had said that on April 30th, they were going to announce the official next step. So I was actually hoping for this recording that I would have had that information. I've been refreshing on all the different sites and no one has that next step yet. I'm guessing that it was filed, but yet it's not going to go through all of the different service boards for another, you know, few days or so like that. Um, I'll certainly let you know when, when I get any next steps from that, uh, from there. But, um, I, I think that Hyundai is really missing an interesting opportunity here with this recall. Given that it's an electric car and all of the people that bought Konas, and it's not a huge number. I think they said it's something like 4,000 and change Konas in the United States. Um, so we're not talking like hundreds of thousands of vehicles or 70,000 vehicles. Um, everyone who bought this car is an early adopter. We all are vocal. Like we talk about these things. So if they want the Ionic 5, this new car that's like they really want to hit it out of the park – they should be saying things like, here's what we're going to do, all you Kona owners. And I, I, I've sort of joked about this, which I know they're not going to do it. But they should say, if you are nervous about this car, if you are upset that it might have impacted the trade-in allotment because of this recall, if you're just a little bit upset, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the mileage on your car, and we're going to give you a trade-in allotment towards an Ionic 5, a very generous trade-in allotment. So basically – you early adopter, you become the most vocal person and we'll treat you well. And then we will factory refurb these Konas and sell them at a reduced rate. Think about it this way. I would get another tax credit because I'm buying another new car. I would get any state tax credits for buying a new car. Like all of the things that get you to do it would be there in place and we'd be vocal. Hey, Hyundai had an issue, but man, this new car is amazing. That's That's a very different picture than right now where I have a very poor taste in my mouth with just fix the car. Tell us what you're going to do. Give us a resolution. Because as far as I'm concerned, I still have a car that I shouldn't park inside because it's going to explode. Now, I'm overstating that. I don't think it's actually going to explode. I'm really not that worried about it. Um, but still, you know, when you read a letter that says don't park near your house, it's hard to not c- come up with the visual for that. <laughs> Well, Hyundai themselves kind of blows it out of proportion also, like in the media and everything. It basically is that, right? Don't park it next to anything. And that's everything everybody is hearing, right? It's where, as Howard stated, if what they're hearing is, hey, right now it's 80% that we're going to limit it to, but we're offering all these customers the possibility of getting an Ionic 5 or we're trying to make something better. Right now, it almost feels like the whole Volkswagen diesel gate deal with the, here's your lack of answers. And hopefully you guys are happy then because your guys' resale is just tanking right now. Yeah. And that kind of takes us to our next question, which I'll stick with you, James, on this one. 
is how do you think they've handled it overall? We've kind of touched on it, but we haven't really answered that question so much. How do you think Hyundai's done overall? Extremely poorly. Because, um, yeah, with, with the lack of answers uh, that anybody's getting, the, the dealerships aren't getting answers as far as I could tell from my asking questions even to them. Um, it's uh, closest I can get is you bought your vehicle early. So maybe June ish, you'll get a new battery. Um, but they don't know anything. Uh, when you give a call to Hyundai, it's we're working on it. So it's nobody seems to know anything except maybe the people in South Korea who seem to be working more on it. Um, but in South Korea, they've now quit selling the Kona, so maybe that's the next step. Yeah, maybe. How, what are you, about your thoughts, Howard? I think given the – between a pandemic and the logistics and all of the things that are going on, I think that I appreciate their their caution – so sort of the overblown nature of like, we don't want to like this, the damage here could be bad. So we don't want that to happen, even if it's rare. So I get that. I'm okay with that. Um, it would be nice if they were a little more transparent in terms of whether it's timing, whether it was what their intention for the next steps were at that point, even saying, we're going to try this because we're going to, the first thing that we want to do is make sure that nothing blows up. The second thing that we're going to do is we're going to try to remediate it without having to replace. Like the, the the steps that they've taken in hindsight make sense, but as they were doing it, it, I'm sitting there going, "Why? Just tell me something. Give me give me something that I can rely on." Because you know, realistically, I think when all is said and done with this, the resale value, if you wanted to replace the car, is going to take a massive hit. Now that said, I'm not that worried about it because my plan is most of the most of the time when I buy cars, I keep them for eight to ten years. So at eight to ten years, I'm not really going to care about the resale value because I usually don't depend on it. If I was only planning to keep it for three years, I'd be like losing my mind right now. Um, and realistically, going to eighty percent as a charge limiting, I kind of wish they just started with that. To just say, out of an error of caution, we're going to limit you to 80%. We're in a pandemic. No one's driving that much anyway. Like, we're just, that's like our first step. So, the, what they just recently did could have been their first step. And then, like, there wasn't anything new that they did other than say, well, I guess we'll resolve, we'll, we'll try this thing. Um, it's not going to, even if you know, I haven't been going into the office, but even if I was, it really wouldn't impact my daily commute in terms of that 80%. I would be fine with that range. Where it really impacts me for that kind of range is if I wanted to do like a photography day trip where I go out two hours away somewhere, 120 miles away, coming back with that 120 miles, I'd have to find some place to charge. I just couldn't quite get all the way through there because I don't have 100%. I only have 80%. So that makes 258 down to like 200. That's a it, – it's not that bad but it's just on the edge of making that uh, trip up to the Pocono mountains to go take pictures of waterfalls. I have to, I need a charger on the way back. So what can you do? So it sounds like if I could boil that down and this kind of, our last two questions kind of melded together. So I won't, I won't ask, or not the last two, but the, 
questions nine and eight melded together. So I'm not going to ask nine, but, um, it sounds like they just could have handled this better with a little bit of communication because it, you guys both believe, if I'm reading this right, that Hyundai is working towards a solution. They're just not doing a very good job of messaging to owners. Hey, this is why we're doing this. This is when you can expect something. And then if that timeline passes, there's no updates as to you just have to, you have to go figure that out. Not them telling you this stuff. Yeah, I think, I think that's perfect. I, if they had said at the beginning, we will probably be replacing your battery. We can't do this many batteries at once. It's a logistical nightmare. Therefore, what we're going to do is limit your range to make sure that, that there's no catastrophic event for your car. And then what we're going to do is as we get them in, we'll let you know when it's ready. Here's to go. That's not an unpredictable solution. They could have, they could have even had said in that intermediate, we figured out a way that we don't have to replace your battery by doing this or by doing this, by just simply saying, this is what we think we might have to do. And this would be the timeline. We're going to make it right. That would have been great. Yeah. That's the, that's the problem with having 40 people in a a meeting and you have the marketing side of things going, no, 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 you can't say that. And they have the engineer side saying, well, this is what the problem is. And then somewhere they have to craft a message. And it sounds like they just didn't craft a very good message for EV or the Hyundai EV owners in this situation. Well, and yeah, going to your point, it's with having the engineers and the marketing, it's marketing is saying, hey, we still have these that we're trying to sell. So how can we word this nicely to still be able to sell new ones? Yeah. Overall, though, like if you had the opportunity to buy the Kona again through this whole process, would you do it? It's a really great question. I love the car. I'm, I'm not sitting like when this bet, if it turns out that my battery is replaced, I'm going to be like, woohoo, I get a new battery. That means I'm definitely going to get to my 10 years of ownership without having to have any kind of like major replacement or whatever. Like I'm, I'm thrilled about that. So I don't have any regrets at the same time. When I think about the market today, there are more options and knowing that a manufacturer has a pretty serious recall, I probably would say, well, it's, you know, I look at it this way. If my mom came to me and said, oh, I'm going to buy an electric car. What should I get? I would probably steer her to the ID4, the Volkswagen ID4. Not that that's necessarily immune from any of its own issues, but I don't like the, some of the software issues that they were having at the beginning with the ID series that I believe, you know, having uh, played with one at a dealer last week, um, was, that was, looked fine to me, um, I'd probably steer her in that direction. Not that I don't like my Kona, but I, it, the, until it's not exploding, that's important. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that brings up a, a good point and I'll get to you in just a second is that if let's say in a year or two, there's so many more um, options at the price level. The, the thing that drives me crazy with EVs is like there's less parts, but it costs way more. Um, but there's so much more that it's available in that price range between 30 and $40,000 right now. And I don't know which configuration. I think, James, you got the second from the top, right? Uh, no, here in Canada, we had just two choices uh, at the time. It was preferred or ultimate. 
And so I have preferred the base model. I, yeah. We, we had three packages. Um, the only options I had when I was getting the car, they only had the base model, which was the one below preferred and the ultimate at the dealer. So I, I ended up doing the ultimate cause I wanted car play and I wanted, you know, ventilated seats, which are amazing by the way, heated and ventilated seats. Oh my God. Electric cars should just come with those stock. Um, I can't remember who I was talking to. I think it was somebody at work about ventilated seats and they're like, that's stupid. Why would you want that? I was like, you're stupid. Because that, I I had a friend who had an F-150 and we went and sat in his truck while we were at work and he's like, check this out. And it was the most amazing experience I've ever had in my life. I was like, I am, it was like summertime, July, whatever. I was like, I am freezing right now with the air conditioning on and those vented seats on. It's better. Like somebody was like, well, heating steering wells are where it's at. I, I disagree because those are nice, but the ventilated seats that's a whole different level of amazing. And going from this, you could tell where everybody lives. Yes. Heated steering wheel for B is amazing. <laughs> yeah, that and the heated steering wheel on the Kona, it it heats up in like 30 seconds. That thing is 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 like awesome. So But I, I do have just the cloth interior, which I find, especially here in Canada, is kind of the best because I don't have ridiculously hot weather per se. It gets warm, but it's with the remote start type deal i just turn on air conditioning so it was the sunroof and the whole package was going to be an extra i think they wanted 15 grand to go from my package the preferred up to an ultimate and i didn't need the sunroof or the heads-up display so i couldn't see the benefits of the 15 grand especially as howard pointed out in order to use the apple carplay or the uh, google auto uh, I have to plug in anyway, so... Yep. I will say, the heads-up display is wonderful. It's... I, I, and I also always love the sunroof. So, so, okay, so I'll admit to it. Um, I really do appreciate both the sunroof and the heads-up display. Um, a friend of mine got a gas Kona, and she got the heads-up display on it, and she she was like, how does this work? And I showed her and she's like, oh my God, this is transformative because again, it's eyes on the road, but seeing things like turn left over here, or this is the speed limit, the certain things that you see in that heads up display that you typically have to like look down and take your eyes away that are now just right in your field of view. So what do you see? Cause I'm not familiar with this. Uh, the things that I see in that heads up display are if I'm using the nav system on the Kona, it's going to show me the turns in there. It shows the speed limit if it knows it from the, if the nav knows it, which most of the time it does. It also lets me know if the lane guidance, uh, the assistive like sort of keep lane keep assist would, is what they call it. If that's working, you'll see it sort of light up to tell you, yes, I'm doing my thing here. It will also show you your speed. So you, you know what that is. Um, and um, I'm trying to think what, oh, it also gives you uh, if there are cars on, on the side of you in that, in those blind spots, it'll show you that they're there. So it's a good number of little things that you see, very sort of low touch, but easy to work with. And um, your eyes just stay ahead of you and you're not trying to figure out, okay, what did that light mean? Or am I seeing something there? So it's, it's pretty nice. Yeah. Sounds nice. Yeah. Um, well, let's get to our last question here. And what EV would you buy now? Either what's coming out in the near future, or you can even go distant future if you really want to, but 
what's out now or near future? What, what are you most excited about to potentially own? We'll start with James. So the plan always with Tacona was it's a five-year endeavor. Uh, so after five years, we're shooting for the Cybertruck if it's available and all that. Um, but if I had to switch now, definitely that Ionic 5 is uh, definitely what's intriguing me at this point. Yeah, I love that Ionic 5. If I had to buy a car, my mom lives in Alaska, so I don't know if I'd recommend this car for her in Alaska because she drives to Anchorage a lot and I'd be worried. But if she lived here, <laughs> this was this would be the car that I'd either buy for a kid uh, or recommend to a family member, especially if they, they're not interested in owning a Tesla. I think this car is fantastic. How about you, Howard? So... I definitely, um, I think if I was buying a new car today, I would be comparing uh, the ID4, the Volkswagen ID4, because I love Volkswagen. I've, I had a Volkswagen uh, Jetta Sport Wagon, which I loved. It was one of the best cars I've ever had. Um, that Force, that Ford Mustang Mach E. I think those would be the two cars that I'm looking at because they are available right today. Um, I got to play with the ID4 last week. I didn't get to drive it because they were like, "Oh no, that's." They didn't want to let me drive it because the one that they had was in the dealer, like in the in the building part. So they would have had to take it out. Um, I'm really curious. I think I'm going to go try to test drive the the Mustang Mach E if I can uh, get my hands on that just for just for grins. But um, those two would be the choice today. And I have to tell you, I'm not a Nissan person by any stretch for no other reason than what's there. But the Nissan Aria that's coming out in the fall. I think that car is going to make a huge, massive change to the U.S. market because Nissan knows how to bring electric cars here, and they've been doing it for years. And that car is that, you know, bigger than the Kona SUV that I think American customers are going to want. And I think the price of it is going to be much more reasonable than – uh, you know, if I compare the Kona today to the price of that Aria, I think they're going to be similar. And the Aria is a much sort of more uh, pr- more presence of that car. It's a much more like an American market car. Huh. Go ahead, James. Do you have something else? No, uh, I'm just hoping with the Aria, they actually get it right and uh, cool that battery somehow. Yeah. Yeah. The In general, like... I don't have a loyalty to one car brand, but if if I had to have a loyalty to any car brand, it'd be Volkswagen because I've owned many Volkswagens and they've all done amazing. And the only reason why I got rid of them, except for in one case, was because I wanted to get a new Volkswagen, not because I wanted to get a new car. So I am high on the ID4, even though you write the software has problems with it. Um, I'm very high on the Volvo XC40. Have you seen that? That thing is, I mean, it's $70,000. So let's not be silly about it. It's not, it's out of the price range for mere mortals, but it's, it's putting electric vehicles in the right direction versus we're just going to staple something onto this car and call it electric vehicle. These are cars are that are purpose built for EVs to be an EV. And, um, I don't know. There's there's lots to be excited about in the next couple of years. When I first started this podcast, it was like, 2020 is going to be the year. Well, that, that didn't work out. Oh, it was the year of something. 
invalid. Um, it was the year and, you know, uh, I guess automakers could say, well, 2020 happened, so we didn't get our electric vehicles out. But really, in reality, they just didn't have their, their proverbial, um, blank together to, to, to have something that they can show off because building an electric car is hard. Building an IKEA shelf is hard. Building electric cars slightly easier than that. So, well, do you guys have anything that you would like to plug? And I'll start with Howard. Um, I would actually like to plug Plug in America. So, if someone doesn't know about the resource uh, Plug in America, they've got all kinds of good buying guides on there. Lots of really good information. Um, for if you're in the U.S. and you're looking at EVs, you're going to see everything that you need to know about all the different EVs that are out there. And what's available, when it's available, the different ranges. Uh, it's a good organization. They have some good stuff. Um, so I would just point people in that direction because realistically, I don't have much to plug other than you should be plugging in your car. It's like we're ready. You plug in your car. It's time. And how about you, James? Uh, I have a smaller podcast uh, slowing down a little bit right now, but uh, called True North EV Podcast. Kind of talks about my complaints about uh, the Kona. But uh, talks about, I try to interview people that have other sorts of electric vehicles across Canada and talk about their pros, cons, all that fun stuff about electrics in Canada. Cool, man. Thanks, guys, so much um, for being here, for answering my questions and being so kind with your time. All right, folks, that was our discussion on the Hyundai Kona EV, and I hope you all enjoyed it. A couple things I want to highlight real quick is, one, Howard mentioned the Nissan Aria, and I went back and I looked at this. I remember when it was announced, and I was like, okay, cool. But when I went back recently and looked at this after this our discussion, and it is, Howard is 100% right. This is a beautiful vehicle. And very well suited for the North American market. I think it's going to do really well if it gets the dealer support. I really want to thank James and Howard for coming on and doing this discussion. I think it was really helpful for those out there thinking about buying an EV. And then also for those who are thinking about buying an EV that doesn't have a T on it. Because there are so many good options out there. And I think we should be highlighting them for sure. Also, go check out James's podcast, True North EVs, and Howard's recommendation of Plug in America, which actually I had never heard of. And this is a really cool site, especially if you're planning on buying an electric vehicle. All right, everybody, that is it for me today. I hope you all have a wonderful week. If you want to email me, it's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com. You can also find me on Twitter at 918digital. Thanks so much for your time. I will talk to you next week, which will actually include news next week. Next week is all news show. 